It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. We're continuing our look at the impeachment of President Donald Trump. Next week, next Tuesday to be specific, the Senate proceedings will commence in earnest. We will hear from the House managers. We will hear from the president's defense. There will be questions posed by uh, each of the Senate jurors uh, who have already sworn in uh, their commitment to uh, uphold the Constitution and defend and adjudicate fairly, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Well, what we're doing today is really just gearing up, trying to get a sense of exactly what is going to happen, what it means, where it fits in history, and what, more than anything, it means for tomorrow for everyone involved. Tomorrow, figuratively, of course, far into the future. What do the 2022 elections look like? What does 2024 look like? What does the future of impeachment as a penalty look like? We'll get into questions like that as I welcome to the program my next guest, Damon Can, USU political science professor, a frequent guest of the program. Always a treat to speak with the presser. Sir, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Lee. Thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I was wishing I'm hoping the snow calms down. I uh I get nervous for folks out there driving while I sit here in this warm studio. I hope uh, uh, the snow lets up and everyone gets home safely. Yes, indeed. Uh, but we need it. Glad, really glad to see something falling, but just hope everyone's safe on their commutes today. There you go. That's the way. It is, uh, it's twofold. Uh, so listen, let's talk about uh, – well, first off, let me ask you this question. You, as a political science professor, you must be looking at everything playing out uh, right now politically, specifically this – impeachment trial in Washington through the lens of, you know, I'm going to have to teach this someday to students. What are you what are you most fixated on as we move here closer and into this trial? Yeah, that's a great point, Lee. You know, it really uh, some of the events of the last couple of months and, and the the, uh, the insurrection at the Capitol uh, really comes to mind. These are singular events in American history, and there are things that we will be studying uh, talking about and teaching about uh, for for years to come. And, uh, of course, one of the major focuses of things that I think we'll be thinking about uh, and, and that will set an interesting precedent, we have trials in the Senate that have taken place after someone has left office, but, but we don't really uh, typically see those people uh, facing sanctions from the Senate. Uh, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see what this Senate does with this particular set of facts and information uh, that's placed before them at this unique moment in history. And and the the sanctions you refer to would be that secondary vote available to the Senate to uh, expel or at least prohibit, uh, right, right, to prohibit, uh, you know, the person impeached from holding future federal office. Uh, Do do you predict it goes that far? Based on what we've seen so far from uh, senators who have announced their positions, it seems unlikely from the outset, uh, from where we stand today, to see uh, Trump being prohibited uh, because, first of all, we'd have to have a two-thirds vote uh, in the Senate uh, to vote to remove from office, followed by a simple majority vote. 
um, but uh, we, we would have uh, there may be the votes in the Senate to get a simple majority. Uh, but before we can have that simple majority vote on uh, pro- prohibition from future office, you have to cross that steep threshold of a two-thirds vote uh, for removal from office. And, and based on what we're seeing so far, I just don't think we're quite going to get there. Right. It's an, it's an important uh, element of this whole deal that you bring up, that this the, the question of voting to preclude him from running for future office is dependent on, uh, you know, his conviction in the Senate. So you need, just like you explained, you need, uh, you know, that supermajority to to vote to convict, and then that opens the door for that secondary vote. So the highest likelihoods is that President Trump is qualified to run for future office. Now let me ask you this question. Do you think it's likely that he does so? Boy, you know, I think there's a lot of people who would love to know the answer to that question, uh, I think uh, ben, ben the, Sass, the former president, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, uh, uh, and many of them are people who are uh, Republicans who would also like to run for president in 2024. Um, the, uh, um, you know, uh, I, I think back to, um, you know, a lot of the Democratic primaries uh, after, uh, um, after Al Gore in 2000, every go around, uh, people thought, OK, we've got to see what Hillary Clinton is going to do before we know if we're going to get into the race. And she kind of had this power to freeze out the rest of the field. And I really do think that Donald Trump still has enough of a following in the Republican primary election base uh, that if he were to seek future office, he uh, notwithstanding um, certainly that we've been through some really unusual things at the tail end of his presidency, because he is a former president, uh, he would be a formidable candidate for folks to consider running against uh, in a future election. Now, the question on my mind, what does Donald Trump like more? The idea of actually being the president again, or just the idea of that people want him to run for president again, or that he could run for president again and be an influential and, and powerful player in that respect? Uh, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I think we'll see uh, several Republicans quietly setting the stage for a bid of uh, 24 right away. But I don't think people are going to get really loud or, uh, or, or publicly serious about it for at least a couple more years. A couple more years. And, and um, what if what if the president were to announce President Trump, that is, what if he were to announce uh, that he was not going to run. Do you, do you think we would see some names popping up earlier or are folks just waiting? I do think that we might see folks carrying a little bit of a higher profile and being a little bit more open about making, their making the visits, Making the visits to Iowa and you know making their voices uh, known and their faces familiar. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the trips to Iowa and New Hampshire, speaking around the country in early primary states, Lots of uh, lots of fundraising, a formation of leadership political action committees as arms to, to do that fundraising, uh, all of those kinds of things that are traditional signals that someone uh, has a, seriously considering a bid for the presidency. Last uh, last theme I'll touch on here: setting the president aside, setting President Trump aside, if you can possibly do that in this uh, conversation. Uh, the Republican Party right now is divided. I think that's undeniable. Uh, is it? possible for that party to somehow uh, unite and somehow be effective, say, in 2022 and four? 
Yeah, that's a, a, another fantastic question, Lee. You know, right now the strategy the Republicans are using to try to hold the party together seems to be just don't punish anybody. Uh, you know, the Republicans, of course, just uh, recently voted within their party not to censure Marjorie Taylor Greene for some uh, of her comments kind of on the, the father uh, Trump end of the Republican scale. Uh, and then, uh, uh, but at the same time, they chose not to censure uh, Liz Cheney uh, in the, or remove her from Republican leadership in the House. And so right now, I think Republicans are saying, let's try to just at least right now acknowledge that we have some differences of opinion in the party and not shoot everybody in the party in the foot uh, as we're trying to, um, to find our way forward. But really what the Republican Party needs to succeed going forward is a, um, is a leadership figure who can appeal to all segments of the Republican Party. And right now it's not yet clear who that might be. Fascinating. Uh, oh, you know what? W- one last impeachment question uh, on the trial. You think it's going to be long or short? You think we're going to have it wrapped up next week or will it drag on to additional weeks? You know, I, I think uh, a, a lot of people want to see this trial wrap up as quickly as as, as possible. Uh, uh, the Biden administration has a, a legislative agenda they want to see move forward. Republicans would just rather the whole thing went away. And so I think both sides have an incentive to, to just let this go. But the real determining factor, the one thing that could extend it, is if during the course of the trial, if we see um, uh, new evidence emerge about the nature of Trump's involvement in uh, the, the riot at the Capitol, that would make it very difficult not to spend more time and look more closely uh, at the uh, uh, the removal from office. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll buckle up. It's going to be an interesting week next yeah. week. Well, very good. Thank you, uh, Professor Can, for getting us uh, geared up for it, uh, looking forward, speculating, trying to analyze exactly what is before us. Again, uh, Professor Damon Can, USU political science professor, thanks again for your time and insight. Thanks, Lee. Talk to you later. All righty. Uh, quick break. After the news, when we return, I will deliver to you the top two stories at 2 o'clock. The top two at 2 next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.